Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He was sent his only son to die on the cross and to bear our sins upon himself. That's how much he does love us. He is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. And we talked about this all the time. There is a cup. There's a cup of wrath. Somebody had to drink from the cup of wrath concerning your sins and my sins. Now you have a choice. Do you want to drink from that cup? Or would you rather take Jesus' free gift of him having already done it? The right choice always becomes clear after the fact, right? There's value in learning from your mistakes, and there's grace for that as well. Sometimes, though, you don't get another try. You don't get a second chance at choosing where you're going to spend eternity. Today, Pastor James reminds you that today is the day to accept Jesus' gift of salvation. When your life is past, the right choice will become abundantly clear, but it'll be too late then. Have you made that right choice? If not, will you make it today? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 12 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Verse 1 of chapter 12 goes into a little bit of this. The focus is kind of on the, the last three and a half years from what we understand of the, the tribulation. But verse 1, it says, at that time. So at this time of this end times kind of scenario, the seven years, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, Israel, will arise. So we, we see that Michael is, he is an archangel. He's you know, participating in spiritual battles that are happening in the heavenly realms. But he also is the guardian or will be for sure during these seven years, the guardian of Israel in the end times. He's got Israel's back. And there's going to be a lot of things happening concerning the nation of Israel. Attack wise, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating that people will be coming against Israel, but will not prevail against Israel. Now, it's going to get really bad for Israel. And in fact, the word's going to tell us that during these times, it, it's, they're going to experience the worst suffering that they ever have as a nation, which is saying a whole lot. Because I think today is like Holocaust Memorial Day, right? Like I saw some posts about that of like remembrance of the Holocaust and all that good stuff. That was a major, major event that actually, I don't know who these knuckleheads are that saying this thing didn't exist or didn't happen, but it happened. It happened. You don't believe, hey, go to DC, get a Holocaust Memorial Museum thing there. And I, I've never been to that one. I've been to the one in Israel three times, three times, walk through that thing. And you do not walk through that thing and come out with a dry eye. I mean, it was a major, major time of suffering. Millions of Jews slaughtered. They've had that repeatedly throughout history, though. But what's going to happen in those seven years is far worse than anything they've ever encountered. But Michael's got their back. The archangel, he's got their back. He'll be protecting them. It says in that verse, the, the last part of that verse, it says, then there will be a time of anguish greater than any, than any since the nation first came into existence. And that's that, that letting us know that 
This uh, time of great tribulation, uh, Matthew chapter 24 speaks to this, this time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah talks about that, it's going to be intense, and it's going to be like nothing they've ever experienced before. Israel has a target on their back, and we've known that for, for years and years and years. Um, but the chief enemy, Satan himself, has been targeting Israel from the very beginning, the very beginning. As soon as Israel was made a nation, you just read through the Bible. Just read through the Bible. Do the daily, the one-year Bible. Read through the Bible each and every day. Take 15 minutes out of your day. I know you have it. Don't tell me you don't have it. I know you do, okay? Because if I got it, you got it. And I waste so much time during the day. I got 15 minutes to read the Bible. Read through the Word, and you will see, going through the book of Genesis, as soon as that nation was established, Man, Satan had his eyes on them to destroy them. As soon as the promise was made in Genesis chapter 3, Satan's eyes was, was constantly looking for, like, who is this line? Who's, what line is going to usher in the Messiah? And he was watching, scheming. Then Abraham is established. And then Abraham gets a son, not Ishmael. That's not the right son. He gets another son, the promised child, this, the chosen one. And Satan has his eyes on him. And that guy has 12 sons. And then Satan's eyes are on. And Satan has always been attacking and looking to destroy Israel from the very beginning. From the very beginning. And what an amazing, what an amazing group of people. Amazing. To think of all the things that they've gone through. Pretty much kicked out of their land. I mean, my goodness, they were, you have this Babylonian deportation, right, that took place. That would have ended every other country if this happened to them. But it didn't to the Jews. And they've experienced things like this all throughout their history. But what do they do? They come back. Most other nations, most other ethnic groups have and just become assimilated into other groups. And they no longer exist but the Jews have continued on, and they've kept fighting. I love the nation of Israel. I love the Jewish people. Amazing, amazing story. Amazing history. And we would be wise to be praying for them and to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, like we're told in the Word. Be praying for them. Pray for them. Actively pray for them. If anytime you hear the, you know, the name Jerusalem mentioned or Israel mentioned or Jews mentioned, it should trigger something in your head and within your heart to say, you know what, Lord, I pray for your chosen people. Because they're still his chosen people. He's not done with Israel. That's another weird thing that I don't understand, that people are like, no, God's done with Israel, but now he's, it's the church. He's all about the church, and the church is the fulfillment of all this. He's not done with Israel. Read the Bible. I mean, read the book of Romans. He's not done with Israel. He still has a plan. And in the end times, the last days, and here's what we believe, we hold fast to, and we can, this is kind of an open-handed issue, all right? This is one of those one theological things. We keep it open-handed for a reason. The rapture. Do we believe there is a rapture? Yes. That's like this. Yes. We believe, as in I, um, and what we just stated in our statement of beliefs, is there's a pre-trib rapture. That's what I believe. That's what I hold fast to, okay? Again, I could be wrong on that. Not too concerned about it. 
because I'm going to be with Jesus. So I don't really care when it happens. I'm good, but I want it to be pre-trip. Like, I don't want to, all that stuff can happen. The world can fall apart without me being here. And I'd be totally cool with that. Like, I'd be all right with that. So I, we hold fast to a pre-trib rapture, meaning the church is raptured up and then Satan is let loose to seven years, you know, to go nuts, right? That's what we hold fast to. But it's like the church is removed and, and then, man, and then this crazy thing happens. And we saw this in the book of Revelation is you have 144,000 Jews, Jews, not Jehovah's Witnesses, Jews who get saved and they become 144,000 evangelists and the greatest revival breaks out in the most difficult times. And it's all during this time period. It's all during this time period, but it's going to be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came to existence. He, He goes on to say, but at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book, not all Jews, not all Jews, the ones whose name is written in the book will be rescued, will be rescued. There's another doctrine that states that, well, if you're of Jewish blood, Jewish descent, you're good. You, I mean, you're just, you're good. You don't, you don't really have to surrender your life to Jesus at all because you're of the seed of Abraham. So you just automatically get to go to heaven. And the Bible does not agree with that doctrine. It doesn't. Because there's one way. And his name is Jesus. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. But through me. And that's a surrender to Jesus as a Lord and Savior. And it's the same thing. We talk about this in America all the time, especially within the Bible Belt. Because we face this all the time. People think they're good because... Mom and dad were Christians. So I'm good, right? I'm under their covering. No, you're not. You stand on your own two feet. And, and that's just how it is. When you go into the presence of the Lord, he isn't like, all right, get, get your family together. Grandpa, grandma, you started the church, whatever. Get your family together because we're going to make sure you all get in at the same time. That's not how it works. It's an individual basis. It's an individual thing. And it's the same for the nation of, of, of Israel. It's the same for the Jews. Jesus has to be Lord and Savior. He has to be. But the time of rescue, it happens. For those who surrender their lives to Jesus during this crazy, tumultuous time, the rescue happens. Here's what I love about this. This isn't just like one of those things where this will only happen at the end times. Jesus is in the business of rescuing his sons and daughters, his loved ones, his family. So if you find yourself going through a difficult time, can I encourage you with this little bitty promise that he knows how to show up and rescue you? And it may not be when you want him to, and the days might grow darker, but he knows how to rescue you. And if you think that he doesn't want to, then can I encourage you to spend a little bit more time at his feet? He loves you. I mean, his love for us is like, it truly is indescribable. We have no words. We have no words, no sentiments. Even in the time of Valentine's Day, we have no, like, there's no Hallmark card that could ever be written to describe his crazy, 
exorbitant love for you and for me. But he also knows, because he does love us so much, that maybe a little bit more time in the fire brings out the best in you. So he knows when to pluck you out. He's got you. But he also may be trying to do something in you as well. Okay, so for the nation of Israel, he was, he was purifying the nation of Israel. And he knows when to show up. Even at the end of it all, he knows when to show up at the time, at the right time. Verse 2, it says, many of those whose bodies lay dead or lie dead and buried will rise up the resurrection. Some, some, not all, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. So not all people go to heaven. That's another doctrine that's out there. And that one's actually grown more and more popular as we've gotten closer to, I think, Jesus's return. You're all good. There's churches today, packed out, packed out. The pastor will stand here and he will tell you, listen, don't worry about it. We're all going to heaven. We're all going to heaven. It's okay. Why would God, why would a good God send anybody to hell? You have pastors who are throwing that out there to their people. And that's deceptive and that's damaging. Number one, because it's false. It's false. He is a good God. He loves everybody. He loved everybody on this entire planet from beginning until end so much that he would send his only son to die on the cross and to bear our sins upon himself. That's how much he does love us. He is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. And we talked about this all the time. There is a cup. There's a cup of wrath. Somebody had to drink from the cup of wrath concerning your sins and my sins. Now you have a choice. Do you want to drink from that cup or would you rather take Jesus's free gift of him having already done it? That's why hell exists. And that's why, any, again, here's another popular teaching. Hell is not permanent. It's not forever. It'll be just for a short while and then it's done away with. The people who end up in hell are ones who reject the free gift of salvation presented to us by Jesus Christ. I.e., he took that cup and he drank from it himself. So the ones who reject that are saying to God, I'll handle it on my own. And he says, okay, it'll take you an eternity to try to cover your own sins. And that's what hell is. That's why hell exists. People reject God. And I don't get in your head that there's this image. I see this all the time, these characters of hell and people are, yeah, they're screaming, there's weeping and, and gnashing of teeth and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you this, and I, I was listening to um, David Guzik this week, uh, actually just listening to his, to his teaching and not stealing from him on Blue Letter Bible, like all Calvary pastors do. But I was listening to his teaching on this, and he's like, look, if you took those people out of hell and you put them in heaven, you know what's going to happen? They're going to hate it there. They're going to hate it there because they don't want to be there. Because they don't want Jesus. They don't want Jesus. They've never wanted Jesus. They walk over his crucified body to get into hell. They don't want him. 
Do they want to be in hell? No, they don't want to be in hell, but they don't want to be in heaven. They don't want to be in the presence of Jesus forever. That's a sad, sad reality and very, I think, very clear window into the heart and the soul of of some people. Here at, at the end, it's some will be, you know, resurrected, you know, to everlasting life. And that's basically speaking of, you know, heaven, what we call heaven. And I get it. There's a weird thing about, you know, heaven. People die now and it's like, oh, well, they're in heaven. Well, I mean, there's a lot of technicalities that we have to cover as far as that. Is it Abraham's bosom and all this good stuff? And you're okay with saying they went to heaven. Okay. Nobody's, I mean, unless you come across some seminary graduate who's fresh out of graduating, because it's only going to be those guys who are going to be like, well, now technically, um, like we get what we're all saying. Okay. But there will be this resurrection that takes place. Those who have, who have died, especially Old Testament saints who have died, they're resurrected, resurrected. We know that that's going to happen. I mean, we've already had stories of that. You read back through the crucifixion story of Jesus when he died and the veil was rent. And then what happens? These people get resurrected. There were dead people walking around Jerusalem. It's weird, trippy stuff. And I'm not even making this up. It's in your Bibles. It seems like that's a television show thing. No, it's in your Bibles. Crazy stuff's happen is going to happen, but Daniel's getting this heads up from the angels, uh, from Gabriel. We, we believe, but all this is going to happen. Some to everlasting life, some to uh, shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. Those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Hey guys, here's your here's your tip: be wise, invest in eternity. You will shine forever. You reflect the great light, right? The, the son of God. Um, we are reflectors of him for sure. But we need to be investing in eternity by telling people about Jesus. Because here's what we want. We don't want people to go to hell. If you have a heart, then you don't want people to go there. And you're not okay with that. Guess who's not a, who else is not okay with that? God wishes that none would perish apart from him. That should be our hearts as well. Okay, he's not like, well, you chose it, oh, you know, tough luck, right? And he's not, not like that. I think it breaks his heart that the people that he formed and fashioned and created would reject him. Breaks his heart. He didn't make hell for us. He didn't make hell for humanity. He didn't. He made it for Satan and those angels that rebelled against him in heaven. Those who are wise will shine bright as the sky and those who lead many to righteousness lead many to righteousness. We've lost this in our American church today, I feel. Because we want this guy and whoever stands behind these wooden things, and sometimes they're made out of glass and steel and cool stuff, right? Whatever. But we want whoever's standing behind this thing to lead many to righteousness. And churches will brag and boast about this many came forward and this many and all this stuff. Who cares? What are we doing as individuals Because I don't know what any of that means with hundreds of people coming forward. Because statistically, we know that many of those, many who came forward will fall away and will quit showing up to church and will not read the Bible and will abandon whatever profession they made verbally or publicly to Jesus. So it's cool when a pastor gives the invitation and lots of people come forward, but my goodness, that's not 
that's not the role of this thing. The role of what I get to do is, is preach Christ and him crucified. The role of us as individuals is to lead many to righteousness. Don't ever, ever put that on to a pastor. It is part of my job. It absolutely is part of my job. But I better be doing it more out there than what I do here. And the same goes for all of us. Man, we made it so simple in the American church. Just get them to church, and that guy will give them saved. He'll tell them some beautiful stories to start crying, and all this. And I'm not dogging on that, but man, I just, we've seen it for a hundred years. And I know that there's been fruit that's lasted. Some of you may have gotten saved because of Billy Graham. Some of you may have gotten saved because of guys like Greg Laurie. I'm not saying that there's no fruit there, but man, that has caused, I believe, believers in America to shift into neutral. And just be like, it's not my, I don't need to worry about that. Because I, I just got to bring them to this event. And then somebody at this event will get them saved. No, no, that's you. That's me. That's us having conversations with these people and leading them to Jesus, to righteousness. I have no problem with events. We've done events. We did the whosoever's and Ryan Reese and Brian Head Welch and Sonny Sandoval. I mean, they gave the gospel and people got saved. I love that stuff. That's beautiful stuff. But man, that's got to happen in personal conversations between us and the world. It has to. It has to. We talked about this. Uh, going through the book of Daniel, we, we've seen some tremendous things. And, and even going through the gospel of Mark, it, sometimes these things just parallel each other. But when we were going through the gospel of Mark, we were talking about this demon possession stuff and all that, and how that was very prevalent when Jesus showed up. And that makes sense. The Messiah shows up. The demons, fallen angels, are going to be um, hyperactive because he's there. And sometimes we think in our brains of like, well, man, is that happening today and all this? Satan has lulled us into a sleep. He doesn't need demons. We don't need demon possessions. By and large, Christians in America are snoozing. We're snoozing. Why? Because we've made it so easy. There's no sacrifice in church today. There's no sacrifice, right? It's like, no, yeah, just, just show up. And you get, you know, you don't, don't, you don't have to read your Bible because the guy, he's going to talk for like 45, 50, 60 minutes and you're going to get a week's worth of Bible if you just listen to him. We don't, oh, we don't even have to serve and we don't have to do, no. See, we've gone into this apathetic sleep. If the Church of America needs to do anything, it's wake up. Wake up and shine bright. Shine bright. And the more you do that here, the more that translates into eternity. You walk into heaven, and I think some people are going to be shining brighter than others. Some of us, maybe me, is going to be a little flickering light bulb, and you're like, I don't, I don't, I'm glad you're here. It looks like you're barely here. Yeah, you're just barely here. It's like somebody needs to turn the dimmer switch up a little bit. We go into there. I think there's going to be some people who are just shining bright as can be because, man, they saw the soul's and their hearts were broken. And they led them to Jesus. Let's do that. Let's make our lives about that. Look for opportunities. And I'm not trying to put you into some sort of guilt trip or anything like that. But no, not at all. But what I, what I do want to make sure is that if the Lord presents us with an opportunity to share the gospel, then let's take it. 
because you're investing into the future. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle teach through the book of Daniel, helping us understand all of the fascinating things in this book. Imagine a king being debased to eating grass like a cow and looking like a complete barbarian. It sounds like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. There were many lessons for King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, and God used Daniel to speak truth to this king of Babylon. Don't you see that no matter what location you're placed in, God can use it for good, for people to turn their hearts towards Him. We hope that your heart is also turned towards God today. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Bread for the Broken. If there's any way that this ministry has impacted you, would you mind sharing that with us? You can get in touch with us through our contact page at breadforthebroken.com. We'd be so happy to meet you in person too. So if you're in the Galveston area, join us this Sunday or Wednesday for worship and Bible study here at Calvary Galveston. You can find directions, service times, and more by visiting our website, breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. In the meantime, we encourage you to continue reading on your own in the book of Daniel, as you'll discover so many things that God wants to teach you from Daniel's example. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off and keep covering passages in this Old Testament book right here on Bread for the Broken.